Welcome to House to Home Podcast. It's here that we'll learn how to cultivate an eternal haven in our temporary world. So grab a cup of coffee, do the dishes, or even take a drive in your car. Whatever it is you do while listening, I hope you feel right at home. Welcome back to House Home Podcast. Today we are continuing our series of rooms in the home. So if you've been following along with us, you know we're doing a series on the fruit of the spirit. We're doing a series on the rooms of the home. And each month we're trying to hit a fruit of the spirit and hit a room of the home. If you listen to our last podcast, though, you know that we are in the middle of a move. And so we are also doing house to home renovation. And right now on our Instagram, you can find me sharing all sorts of stories about the moving experience. Soon I will be getting into the renovation experience, which I'm excited about to show you pictures of our new home and just to walk you through how we restore and renovate a home. This will be the third home that we've renovated since being married. But right now, I am just packing up things and kind of getting our life in order here in Indiana. So if you hop onto our Instagram, you can catch some moving highlights. I probably should do that. I should probably save a highlight on our Instagram page um, in regards to moving because I've been sharing tips on there. So I will do that for you guys. But if you are interested in moving tips and just to see that process, it's not as fun as the renovation process, but I am sharing some things on there. So catch us on Instagram as well. But today we are continuing the Rooms of the House series. And today I want to talk about the hallway. And the hallway is not necessarily a room of the home. It is kind of one of those odd places, kind of like a closet um, or a corridor or a foyer Uh, it butts up against other rooms, but it's not a room. Most people would not classify it as a room of the home. But the reason why I wanted to talk about the hallway is because I think it has so many spiritual connotations in our life. And I think you can really connect a lot of spiritual aspects and practical and physical aspects of the hallway when talking about the rooms of the home. So the hallway is what gets us to the other rooms, right? So we've already talked about the bedroom, and the reason why we talked about that one first was because we argued that it was the heart of the home. But the reason why I wanted to touch on the hallway next is because, like I said, it gets us to the other rooms. And so as we then go to talk about the other rooms of the home and um, how to keep those rooms healthy, how to cultivate a healthy spiritual life, and how to cultivate just practically a healthy and beautiful home that is God glorifying, I'd like to talk about the hallway because we actually spend a lot of time in the hallway. (laughs) We may not sit there and rest or fellowship or do other things, but we pass through it a lot. And a lot of the work we, we do involves getting through the hallway. And it seems to be kind of this transition area of our life as it transitions us in a physical sense to the other rooms of the home in a spiritual sense, it transitions us a lot of times into other places in our life. It gets us where we need to go. But a lot of times it's not very fun (laughs) for us to just hang out in the hallway or to wait or to be patient or to be faithful. So a hallway is defined as a passageway, a way to pass into or out of something. And while I was preparing for this podcast, I couldn't help but think of the Narnia series. So I've been going back through and reading those again. My dad started reading The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe to me 
as a young child, but I don't think I ever read The Magician's Nephew, which is the first book of the series. I'm reading back through it now, and as I'm reading through it, I'm realizing maybe I actually never read this. The Magician's Nephew tells you kind of the backstory of Narnia, and a lot of people actually do skip over The Magician's Nephew because you can start with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and the series will make complete sense to you. You won't really feel like you missed out on much. But I'm loving The Magician's Nephew, and in that book, there is a place called The Wood Between the Worlds. And if you've read it, you know what I'm talking about because a lot of the book talks about this wood between the worlds. This was basically a passageway to get to other worlds. I I won't go into um, tons of detail if you have not read this book. I don't really want to spoil it for you, so keep in mind that I'm going to be talking about the book a lot, so if you want to turn the podcast off, you can. I'm, I'm going to try not to spoil the book for you, but I again, I'm, I'm just going to be talking about things that go on in it, and so if that bothers you and you haven't read the book yet, here's your spoiler alert right now. Turn me off. Maybe go read The Magician's Nephew. <laughs> it's a quick read and then come back to this. This Wood Between the Worlds is a place that Polly and Diggory, which are two of the main characters in The Magician's Nephew, they get to this place through magic. So these magical rings that their magician, um, Diggory's uncle, uh, puts on them, gets them into this wood between the worlds. And when they show up in this wood between the worlds, it isn't actual woods, it's a forest. And so it's this place covered in trees. You can just think of a a forest that you've been in with lots of greenery, lots of trees around you. There's different ponds and they all look the same. But when they get to this world, it's a place that feels restful. It feels peaceful. It's not a rushed or busy place, but it also kind of makes them feel disoriented or sleepy. And then they soon find out that the ponds aren't actual ponds, but that if you go and you put a hand, a foot or something into this pond, you actually enter into another world. So you can probably get where I'm going with this when talking about the hallway. In this wood between the worlds, the ponds are the worlds. They're kind of like the doorways to get into another world. Just like the hallway isn't a room itself, but it gets us into the other rooms. So you can see the correlation here that I'm bringing in, just as the hallway gives access to all of the rooms of the home. C.S. Lewis describes the wood between the worlds as a place where nothing really happens. (laughs) It's kind of boring. But as I relate it to the hallways of our homes and lives, I, I see that much happens in this passageway. So I actually am kind of going against Lewis in that sense. He acts like nothing really happens in this wood between the worlds. And really, in reality, in his books, you know, most of what is happening is happening in the worlds. And so I, I totally get where he's coming from. I'm not trying to play up this analogy so much that it falls flat. But I want to say that the hallways of our lives, there's actually a lot going on in these passageways. So in his book, The Wood Between the Worlds seems to make the visitors more calm, more sleepy, and like I said, even a bit more disoriented. Uh, For Diggory and Polly, it's a pleasant and peaceful place. But when an empress of a different world named, the world was called Charn, when that empress comes and enters into the woods between the worlds, she actually gets ill, she gets weak, and she 
seems to not handle this wood between the worlds as Diggory and Polly do. Polly and Diggory seem much stronger than her and um, just able, I guess, to, to function and to think more clearly. And so in the hallways of our lives, I think that we find that we kind of act the same way. If we're looking at the hallway in a spiritual sense as a place of transition, it seems like our efforts to get where we're going make us tired. A lot of times we get exhausted. We get stressed, right? We get disoriented. Maybe we feel like giving up or we find ourselves having little strength or becoming discouraged. All these things. For example, maybe we want to get to the bedroom of our lives. So I'll use that as an example because we already talked about the bedroom. And we talked about it being an intimate place, a place where, um, a, a place that kind of signifies our relationship with the Lord and a place that is intimate as far as our marriage goes and our relationships go. It, it's like the deep parts of our relationships, the parts that not everyone else sees around us. So maybe we're wanting get we're wanting to get to that. We're wanting to get to that bedroom of our lives and we want that deep intimacy with our creator or even with our spouse or our lover. But the hallway that we must enter into first wears us out, just like it wears this empress out. Maybe we want to get to the dining room, for example, and we want our home to have a dining room that is fruitful, that is full of fellowship, but it seems so far off from what our current family culture is. Maybe the climate of our home doesn't really host a warm and friendly and inviting dining room. And so the hallway, the transition of trying to get to this seems hard. It exhausts us. And many of us, I think, are even prideful. Um, So we become just like this empress of charm. She was a beautiful charming, strong physically, and it seemed like emotionally, she was a strong woman. But just like her, if we are reliant on our own strength and we're prideful, we are going to fall ill when we get into this transition phase. When she came to the wood between the worlds, she was unable to press on and she had to give up. There was no strength within her because her strength wasn't coming from something greater. And that's kind of where we get in this transition phase. So in our lives, right now, currently in our own family, we are very much in a transition phase. We are in the middle of a move. We are moving states. We're moving three kids. We um, have, you know, like finances and uh, so many things up in the air at the moment. It's definitely a transition phase. It takes a lot of faithfulness on our part. It takes a lot of trust. Um, you know, even just the process of looking for the right home, where are we going to live and weighing pros and cons of certain houses and properties and then selling our home, all of these things. It's just, it's a huge transition being sort of quote unquote homeless for a while while we, 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 uh, work on our home, you know, we're not able to live in it right away. We don't see the move in ready home, for example, like we're not buying something that is just perfectly put together and move in ready, it's going to take a lot of work. So we are very much in a transition phase of our life. We're very much in a hallway and the hallway reminds me of our sanctification. And as we try to cultivate a fruitful and a pleasant home, I think we must always walk through the passageway of sanctification. It's a road that we're going to be on for a lot of our life. The kitchen doesn't clean itself. The living room isn't welcoming on its own. The closets hide our sins if we're not faithful to fight those off and to keep a clean heart. And on our road to sanctification, Paul reminds us what? 
to fight the good fight, to run the race that is set before us, and to run it with endurance. This means that we need to be strong, we need to be steadfast, and we need to be faithful. And faithfulness is a fruit that is given to us, and we need to tend it and grow it. And we can do that by being faithful in the hallway, not getting worn out. We don't want to be reliant on our own strength like Jadis of Charn. We do want to be rooted in God so that when we're in the hallway, when we're in that place of transition or that place where sanctification just is full force on us, you know, there's some seasons where you feel like, okay, this is kind of easy. You're able to kind of take a rest on the couch, you know, take a little nap, enjoy life, you know, and and I'm not saying you shouldn't enjoy it when you're in the hallway and when you're in transitions. You should. That's the whole point of this. But the hallway, sometimes you just feel like sanctification is rising, you know, like trials are rising, transitions are, are rising, and we're being tested. We are being tested in those times, and God is refining us. If we're rooted in God and we're in the hallway a little longer than we want to be, I want us to have strength to stay alert to remain in peace and to not give up or become sick with sin and worry. Even Diggory and Polly kind of got drowsy and took a nap at one point in this Wood Between the Worlds. I think it might have been in, in their first experience of the Wood Between the Worlds. But it was always a peaceful place for them. It was always a pleasant place for them. It was not, again, it was not so for the Empress of Charn. And it was not so for even the magician, um, Degree's uncle, because they were so wrought with sin. So how do we do this practically? I know that I'm bringing in a lot of symbolism here and a lot of analogies and a lot of analogies out of the book that you may or may not have read. But practically, I think we need to do at least three things. Okay, I'm going to list three things here. So first, we need to stop for relationships. If you listened to our podcast with Leanne Rufner on um, loving children with unique needs, then you kind of heard her story about stopping in the hallway with her son to talk. And she talks about the hallway is a great place to just stop and have a conversation. So I don't want us to get so focused on the tasks before us that we aren't stopping in the hallway. Um, we are working as unto Christ. So remember that the work itself is not the end. Mason, my husband, who is not on this podcast with us, reminds me often to stop and smell the roses. I really hate when I am like set to do something. I hate stopping for something that seems so silly. So he all the time while I'm like cooking dinner or literally going through the hallway, I remember just a couple weeks ago, I rounded the corner of the hallway and there he was. And so many times we're both going back and forth in the hallway, especially in the evenings when we're getting kids ready for bed. And if you have a house full of children, especially young children, you know this, it takes a lot of tag teaming and a lot of communication <laughs> to stay on top of it. So we have three young kids all under the age of six and it's a lot of tag teaming. And so a lot of times we are just like passing each other's, each other in the hallways or in the hallway. I rounded the corner and he just stopped to hug me. I gave in. I, I relented and I hugged him back. Even though I was busy probably bringing clothes to a kid or going to wipe up, wa wipe up water off of the bathroom floor or, you know, pull a brother off of a sister or something like that, I stopped and I hugged my husband because in that moment, that was what was more important. He does this to me often. Like I said, when I'll, I'm in the kitchen and I'm doing a task, um, he'll stop me and he'll hug me. 
And a lot of times I don't relent. A lot of times I'm like, come on, you know, get out of my way. I'm doing something right now. Can't this wait? Like I'm literally right here getting a spatula, you know, or I'm getting a paper towel to wipe up the mess. And he reminds me that it can wait. That relationship is more important than the juice that spilled on the floor or the ground beef that needs to be tossed in the pan. He reminds me to stop and kind of smell the roses. So stop for relationships. It's not all about getting tasks done. And we need to remember that loving our people is the biggest task we can do. So loving them means a lot of things. Loving them is not pinned down to one thing. Loving them can't be um, put in a box. I can't give you a prescription. Loving them means taking time to look them into their eyes to know their needs and to be sensitive to that. It means one day maybe giving your husband a hug in the kitchen. Another day it may mean sitting on the kitchen floor with a child who got hurt. Another day it may mean having a hard conversation with um, a family member. You never know what it's going to look like and you have to be sensitive and open and aware and alert in order to love your people well and that is your biggest and most important task in your home and outside of your home, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, all of it, and to love other people as you love yourself. Number two, press on and realize it's only a season. So if you are in the hallway of life, just as we are, we're in a transition season, press on. You know, there was a, I talk about us meeting in the hallway, my husband and I, there was a time when my son was really young and nursing a lot. He was probably like five months old or so. He had a dairy allergy, so it was really hard for me with nursing him. He was extremely fussy until I cut that dairy out. And I didn't know at the time what was going on. And my youngest daughter, uh, he and her are only about 16, 17 months apart. So they're pretty close in age. So she, she was a pretty good sleeper, but she occasionally would wake up. She was a toddler, and then my other child was still a toddler. So we had three toddlers, and I was waking up multiple times a night. And so... I would get the baby all night and then my husband would get the girls if they woke. And (laughs) there was one day (laughs) where my husband sent me a text message and we'd been up all night, mind you. We'd been meeting each other in the hallway, um, passing each other back and forth, you know, tending to fussy children or, you know, laying in beds or saying prayers or getting milk, (laughs) whatever um, we were doing. And he texts me early in the morning and sends me a picture of the baby monitor that he brought to work. (laughs) And so basically he was like, here I am bringing baby monitors to work. And it's just so funny to me because that's just the stage of life we were in. It wasn't that your cell phone was right by your side. It was that the baby monitor (laughs) was right by your side. Um, So just remember it's a season. That season went by really fast and we're not there anymore. And most nights I can actually sleep through the night. I can stay up late with my husband and not worry about the sleep I'm going to miss the next day. And maybe that's not going to be the case in a couple years. You know, maybe we have another baby and another blessing. But right now that's not the season we're in. And so remember it's a season and enjoy the pieces of it that God blesses you with. Because believe it or not, there are actually things I miss about waking up in the middle of the night. Prayer being one of them. I miss that prayer time. I miss the quietness of the night. I miss the things that the Lord drops in my spirit in those late hours of the night. I miss it. I miss the cuddles. And yeah, looking back, I wish, I always wish I would have embraced the season I was in a little bit more than I had. Number three, 
make it beautiful and joyful. Whatever season you're in, if you are in the hallway, make it a beautiful and joyful place to be. And this is, I mean this spiritually and physically, make your hallway pretty. Don't make it just utilitarian. Decorate it. Um, make it beautiful. Put artwork up that you love. Hang up the kids' stuff. I don't know what your hallway looks like. Buy a pretty rug. You know, do things to make it a pleasant place to be, not just a place that you are passing through to get to the other rooms. But then in the spiritual aspect of this, keep a good attitude. And if you have trouble with doing that, ask the Lord for help. Be in your word. Be in prayer. Tell your husband. Tell your friends. Tell someone, I need help in this area. You know, this transition season has got me you know, feeling it. I'm having a hard time. It's okay to reach out to other people and to ask for help and prayer. And then I want to point out one more thing from the book, The Magician's Nephew, before I close out this podcast. When a world is destroyed in the book, which means all life has been removed from it. So remember, the wood between the worlds has these ponds, and it has about 11 or so ponds, and all these ponds are different worlds. When one of those worlds is destroyed, which means all life has been removed from the world. It dries up. The pond dries up. I found this interesting because I think the same thing happens in our lives. When we don't tend to all the rooms of the home, they die. They're unable to be accessed. And this happens in a physical and a spiritual sense. You see the shows of the hoarders and um, you look at these people and you think, oh my goodness, how did they let their home get to this state? How did they let that room get to this state? You know, they hoard so much stuff or maybe they live in so much filth that they can literally, they literally cannot use their kitchen. They literally cannot use their living room. You know, I've seen these shows where there's like roaches all over the house and there's actually a really like big spiritual sickness, you know, that goes on with these people that have this physical outpouring of such a like a spiritual problem. You watch these shows and you see mentally that these people are having a hard time, that they need help, right? And so physically this can happen, that if you let your kitchen go, it's going to dry up. And in a spiritual sense, this happens as well, that if you don't cultivate intimacy in your bedroom, your marriage is going to die. If you don't cultivate coming together in fellowship around food and laughter and conversation and joy, the dining room is going to die. If you don't cultivate restoration and redemption and forgiveness in your home. These relationships are going to dry up. And this isn't just the wife's job. The wife is the primary homemaker. The mom is the primary caregiver to the kids. But this is the dad's job. This is the children's job. You need to look at your home as a small economy. The home has not been a little business. It's not been a little economy. Everybody goes out and does their own thing. It's very individualistic. People aren't working towards the same goal anymore. But I see a huge wave of people coming back to this. You can pick up a lot of books from people. You can read blogs. You can listen to podcasts. You can follow people on Instagram. And you see a huge wave of people valuing the home again. And a wave of people who are looking at the home as this small little economy. That these are our people and this is the goal that we're working towards. And so it's going to take the husband, the children, and the wife all tending to their work in order to cultivate this healthy home, in order to not let the home dry up and not to let the rooms of the home dry up and die. You want these relationships to stay healthy. You want this home to be a city on a hill, a light that shines in the darkness, a place that is bringing in other people, that is spreading the gospel, um, so that as your home is healthy, 
there is this healthy flow of people coming in and out of fellowship coming in and out that as people come into your home they catch wind of the peace they catch wind of um, what a healthy home should look like they catch wind of the gospel and they take this out into the streets they take this out to the city it starts in their home that as you're raising up these children and as they're learning how to take care of a home how to cultivate relationships how to keep intimacy in their own life with the lord and this is a wave that keeps on going keeps on going and keeps building and building and building until it crashes and it hits and it overflows and it's a beautiful thing that I see happening and we want to be a part of that wave right so my encouragement for you listening is to not get discouraged or prideful in the hallway of your life so you may feel like nothing happens in the wood between the worlds just as C.S. Lewis said but I'm telling you that God is actually doing a lot in James we are told that the testing of our faith produces steadfastness and to let that steadfastness have its full effect, that we may be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. So while we're on a journey here, cultivating a temporary home of sorts, we're actually in reality preparing for an eternal home. And this eternal home is what Christ is preparing for us. So he is preparing a home for us. But while he's preparing that home for us, he's also preparing us for that home. And we get to partake in this beautiful work. Hey guys, we hope you feel right at home here in this space. If you enjoy our podcast, please consider sharing with a friend, leaving a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, or visiting our website where you can leave us feedback on our ideas page at www.housetohome.family. And don't forget, we have an Instagram where we value sharing free homemade resources for your family. As always, thank you, and until next time.